So today I'm continuing our Christmas series. Today I'm talking about the gift of joy. And I want to start out by asking you a deep theological question this morning. Are you more like Buddy the Elf or Ebenezer Scrooge? Think about it. Are you more like Buddy the Elf or Ebenezer Scrooge? Buddy the Elf says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is... There you go. Good job. And of course, Ebenezer Scrooge says what? Bah humbug. Okay, now we're going to have a little bit of honesty here this morning. How many of you say, I am more like Buddy the Elf? Would you raise your hand if you're Buddy the Elf? Okay. Now, the honest crowd, how many of you say, I'm, I'm more like Ebenezer Scrooge? Anybody here? Okay. All right, we've got a few. Any, any Grinches? Any Grinches? Oh, got a few Grinches. Uh, Cousin Eddie? Oh, I think I see a Cousin Eddie in the back. Oh, no. Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Elf is one of my favorite Christmas movies. I love his joyful and positive outlook. Everything's exciting and happy. And uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to live a life of joy like that? To always see things on the positive side. You know, when you read both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible actually does encourage us to live joyful lives. Uh, that's, that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be miserable and cranky and negative and pessimistic. He wants us to be joyful people. He wants us to be happy. Paul said this in the Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. So rejoicing here isn't just a suggestion. It's a command in Scripture that we're to rejoice, we're to be happy, we're to be filled with joy. It's something that we can choose to do. Remember, uh, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, love, joy, peace, it's, it's one of the first three in the fruit of the Spirit. Joy should be a part of our lives. If we're filled with the Spirit, if, we, if God's Spirit is dwelling within us and we're filled with the Spirit, we should be joyful people. Writing in the book of Solomon's Proverbs said that, uh, uh, Proverbs said this in, in, in uh, <laughs> Solomon said this in the book of Proverbs, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You know, joyful living is actually good for you. It's actually a very healthy way to live. Uh, I was reading on the Mayo Clinic's uh, website, and it said this, and I quote, laughter enhances your intake of oxygen-rich air, stimulates your heart, your lungs, your muscles, and increases the endorphins that are released by your brain. It goes on to say, laughter can also stimulate circulation and aid muscle relaxation, both of which can help reduce some of the physical symptoms of stress. Some of you just need a good laugh, all right? Some of you just need to find something funny and watch it or, 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 or get happy. It's not only good for you, it's biblical. Paul encourages us to rejoice. Even when things aren't necessarily going the way we'd like them to go, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, you could be a discouraged person if you want to be because there's a lot of discouraging things that are going on right now. And you could be an angry person because there's a lot to be angry about. And you could be a cynical person because there's a lot to be cynical about right now. 
But you know what else is true? You could also choose to be a joyful person because there's a lot to be joyful about, right? You just have to look at the things that induce joy. You have to be a person that looks at a, at a positive outlook on life. Choose to be a joyful person. So in our time together this morning, I want to give you four truths from a very familiar story. Uh, you, if you've been in church for any period of time, you've read this story hundreds of times, most likely. But I, I think there's some real rich truths in here that uh, I hope to bring out for you this morning. So we're in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. So here we have these shepherds that are on the hills around Bethlehem. And, and at this time, this was an honorable occupation, very uh, you know, a, a large number of people in the Old Testament were shepherds. Yeah, we're, we're talking, you know, Amos and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Rachel and David and Job and Amos. I mean, a, a lot of really important people, uh, you know, were, were, were shepherds. So it was, a, it was an important role. And, uh, you know, here we see them out in the field. And they are the very first ones notified about the birth of the Messiah. They were the first ones, think about it, they were the first ones to hear the good news. They were eyewitnesses to the circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ. And then they passed down their story, what they saw, what they heard uh, by oral tradition uh, through the generations. The shepherds are more than just scenery in a nativity scene. They play an important role, and I think there's a lot that we can learn from them, even from the small amount of information we have about them. I think there's some good things that we can learn about how to embrace the gift of joy. If we were able to interview them, I think we would be able to learn some things. So I want to give you four things that I think we can learn from the shepherds today. Number one, we learn that you move forward in spite of your fears. Verse 9 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'm sure for the shepherds, it probably started off as a typical quiet night. Um, probably nothing terribly exciting. Uh, sheep aren't terribly exciting in the daytime when they're not sleeping. I can only imagine how boring they are at night when they are sleeping. So, you know, the shepherds, <clears throat> you know, they, they probably were there in the field. I grew up on a farm. We raised sheep and, and all kinds of different animals. I'll tell you this much. I'd, I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather have hogs than sheep. Uh, I, I find them to be much more engaging. Uh, but <laughs> seriously, I can sit and talk to hogs all day long with sheep. Drive me bananas. Um, uh, but anyhow, we've got these shepherds here. And, uh, you know, they'd probably walked around. They'd probably checked on their sheep. They'd probably make sure that everything was safe. And then probably the shepherds kind of, you know, came together and, and, and probably several of them that were in the area together came to a, to a certain spot and maybe they had packed a little bit of a, uh, an evening snack and they were probably eating and they were maybe telling some stories, maybe joking around a little bit and, and just kind of enjoying the quiet evening when all of a sudden the sky illuminated with this bright light and they were terrified as anyone would be. I mean, it would be very scary to be out in the midst of dark and all of a sudden, you know, there's this bright light. And uh, it says that they were terrified. And then verse 10 
It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And it was probably encouraging to them to, to hear that whoever this was that was coming was friendly and, and wasn't there to kill them. But I imagine their hearts rate were still probably elevated. They were probably still very, you know, shaken by what they had just seen. And the reality is fear is a normal part of life. God actually wired us uh, to uh, respond to different fears. Scary things happen. And, uh, you know, we, we respond to those scary things. Um, you know, he's given us the, the, the fight or flight mechanisms. It's kind of wired in us. So when something startling happens, we, we, we react. That, that's normal. But to live in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety, well, that's not the way God designed us. He didn't design us to live in a state of fear. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So like the shepherds in our story, you need to push through those fears. You need to face those fears head on. Move forward with God's power at work within you and refuse to let the fears that you may face hold you back from doing and being what God has called you to do or who God has called you to be. Imagine what the shepherds would have missed out on if as soon as they saw the bright light, as soon as they saw the angels, they didn't stop, they just ran. They ran straight home, jumped in bed, pulled the covers over their head and said, "Woo, I'm safe now. Imagine what they would have missed. They would have missed the birth of Jesus. So you need to recognize that when you live in a state of fear and anxiety, there's a lot you're going to miss out on in life because you don't have the courage to move forward, to step out, to trust God, to believe. You need to shift your focus. Stop focusing on the bad that, that could happen, that might happen, that may happen. And start looking beyond that. Stand firm in who you are in Christ. Recognize the fact that God knows who you are. God knows where you are. God knows your situation. He knows everything that's going on. You just need to trust him. The most famous shepherd who ever lived was David. And David wrote this. He said, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. David says here, don't let fear hold you back. Don't let it keep you from doing what you believe God may be leading you or calling you to do. The most incredible experience of your life might be right on the other side of that scary thing that's holding you back. So I ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? What is the fear that's paralyzed you, that's keeping you from stepping up and stepping out? The first step in embracing Joy is to move forward in spite of your fears. Psalm 30, verse 5, David says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You're going to get through whatever it is you're facing, whatever the diagnosis is, whatever the situation, whatever the relational problem, whatever the legal issue is, whatever, whatever it is that you're, you're facing that's got you just frozen right now, just, real, just realize joy comes in the morning. You'll get through this. Don't, don't let it hold you back. Number two, you need to focus on the good. Focus on the good. 
After the initial shock, the angel said this in verse 10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's incredible, the shepherds were the first ones to hear the gospel. The first ones to hear that the Messiah had truly been born. And they heard it straight from an angel's mouth. 400 years of silence had been broken. God was on the move. God, God, was, God was sending his son, Jesus. The Messiah was being born on that very night. And with that baby's cry, that baby's cry, he set in motion the redemption of mankind. What was prophesied clear back in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, had begun on that night, and the shepherds were the first to hear about it. God's plan of salvation was set in motion. And it says, and this will be a cause of joy for all people. You, me, and thousands of others. The Jewish people had been waiting for this day for thousands of years. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I like what the late preacher Adrian Rogers said. He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, he sent us a savior. Amen? That's what we needed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. My friends, that is the reason for our joy. We can be saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Our sins can be forgiven and we can be reconciled with God the Father. So when the cares and the fears and the problems and the pains of life come upon you, remember this, this world is not your home. This world is not all there is. Some people like to say, well, you only live once. No, you don't. You live twice, you know? You live this life, and then you live an eternal life. And you better prepare uh, in this life for eternal life. Or you're not going to be happy with the consequences. There's more to life than just what we experience here. There is eternal life. And we would be wise to live our lives in preparation for our eternal life. Most important thing we can do is to put our faith in Jesus Christ and to trust Jesus as our Savior. So focus on the good to come. There's more to life than what we have here. Move on in spite of your fears. Number three, you do what you're supposed to do. This is simple. You do what you're supposed to do. Verse 12, angel said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord's told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
Now, the way that the angels uh, framed this this speech to the shepherds, uh, it was clear to the shepherds that they were giving them instructions. They were telling them, I want you to leave the sheep. I want you to go find a place where the cattle are sheltered. I want you to find this baby in a manger that's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I love what the shepherds did. They simply obeyed. The angels came, they made the proclamation. The angels left and the shepherds said, Let's go. Imagine if we were that obedient. Imagine if we would just be the place that when when God spoke to us, we'd say, let's go. Let's go. And I also love the fact that not only did they immediately obey, but collectively they agreed together. They said, let's go. Let's all of us go. Let me ask you this. Do you hang around with the kind of people who encourage you to walk by faith? Do you hang around with people who bring out the best in you? The kind of people who are going to encourage you that when you feel and hear God speaking to you, that they say, hey, let's go. Let's do this. Let's step out. Let's walk by faith. Let's trust God. Let's let's do it. Do you spend time with people who bring out the best in you? Do they inspire you to embrace God's will for your life or rather to ignore it? Now, there was a risk to their obedience. I mean, they were leaving the, sh- the, the sheep, and they were going to town. You know, I mean, the whole reason they're out there is to protect the sheep from predators, and, and the sheep was their livelihood. It was their job. It was their vocation. It's how they made a living, put food on the table. The angel said, go to Bethlehem. And it's, they, they just immediately said, let's go, and they went, and they did it. They left their flocks, and they moved forward. Obedience trumped common sense. And you're going to have to get to the place in life where when God asks you to do something, that obedience trumps common sense. Because you will talk yourself out of God's will every day. I've tried. I tried to talk God out of me starting this church. I'll tell you that much, you know. I, I was very hesitant, you know, but I, I knew God wanted me to do it, but I was, you know, not enthusiastically excited about the concept of starting a, a church from scratch, you know. Um, so I, I'd done it before, it was a lot of work, and, and, uh, but I knew it was what God wanted, and I'm so very glad that I did. And, you know, there's going to be times where God's going to lead you to do something, and common sense is going to say, this doesn't make any sense. In fact, this may even seem a little bit foolish, But my friends, obey God. Obey his prompting, obey what he says. I like what Mark Twain said. He said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's those parts that I do understand. (laughs) A lot of truth to that. The shepherds clearly understood what God was telling them to do, and they simply obeyed. And there is great joy in living in obedience to God. You're going to find that the more you follow God's word, the more, you, the more you do what God tells you to do, the more you experience God's blessings in your life. And, and you'll, you'll, just, you'll, just, you'll just feel this inner joy because you're doing what God wants you to do. The shepherds were some of the first people to see the face of God. And I have no doubt but what their lives were never the same after that evening. 
I wonder if they sat around the table a week or two later and said, hey, what if we, what if we hadn't gone? What if we'd said no? I wonder, I wonder what would have happened. Let me ask you, what's, been God, what, what's God been calling you to do? Is there something that God has laid on your heart, but because it doesn't make sense, you've delayed? Or maybe you've told God no, but you wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't really say no. You just, you just don't do it. Or, or we, we just say, well, I'm thinking about it, or I'm praying about it, or I'm pondering it, which is really just a form of many times delayed obedience or no obedience at all. I like here what the shepherds did. God spoke and they said, let's go. So what has God been calling you to do? Are you been holding, have you been holding back? If so, maybe, maybe this is God speaking to you this morning through a message or through his word to say, are you going to step out in faith? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to do it? Are you going to go? Are you going to obey? You're going to find the greatest joy in life is when you do what God has called you to do. Amen? Move forward in spite of your fears. Focus on the good. Do what you're supposed to do. And then finally, you share with others. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You see, the good news is just too good to keep to yourself. You need to be willing to tell other people. Tell others what God has done in your life. I mean, the shepherds here had an incredible story to tell, and they shared it. And what was the response when they told their story? You're not going to believe what happened. We were out in the field. It was pitch dark. We were saying we just eat a meatloaf sandwich, and it was delicious, and we were just, just sitting there, and it was, I'm just, boom, there's a light came, and all of a sudden, blah, and all these angels. And, and what did it say? It says, and all who heard it were amazed. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You have an amazing story. Did you know that? There's probably somebody in your high school that said, are you kidding me? He got saved? He goes to church? You've got to be kidding me. You've got a story to tell. There are people that would, are probably would be shocked to hear what God has done in your life. Be willing to tell them. You have a testimony. If you know Jesus Christ, you've got a story you know Jesus, there was probably a me before Jesus and a me after Jesus. And there's a good chance the me before Jesus is a lot different, you know, than the me after Jesus, right? People like to hear that story. People like to hear transformation stories. Two weeks ago, I preached a message called, When You Care, You Share. When You Care, You Share. If you care about people, you share with them. Now, we were, we were collecting food to give out to the poor and to, to, to those who are, you know, struggling right now. But the same is true about the message of salvation. When you care, you're willing to share with them. What, is it, what does it say about you if there's somebody that you know is lost, that you know that you have a unique opportunity because of the position you're in that you could share the gospel with them, but you don't? Because you're afraid they might reject you. They may, you, you may not do it right. You may not say it right. You may, not, you, you, you may get things messed up so you don't say anything at all. What does that say? It sounds a little like, a bit like it says that you don't really care that they may spend an eternity separated from God. 
everybody spends eternity somewhere, right? Everybody spends eternity somewhere. And you want your friends, your your relatives, most of them. You want your, you, you all of them. You want them all there. I'm sorry. <laughs> you want them all there. So you need to be willing to share. Be willing to tell your story. Be willing to talk to them about Jesus. The shepherds had an encounter with God, and we are still telling their story. Now, our story may not be as nostalgic. It may not be as romantic as there, but I can tell you it's just as important. A lost sinner who found the grace of God and put their faith in Jesus and their life has changed, that's a good story. So living with joy is a testament to the fact that you found Jesus, that you know Jesus. And joy comes from knowing that the future will be better than the past, amen? That the current struggles that you're facing in life, the pains that you endure, one day will give way to an eternity in heaven where there's no more pain and no more sorrow and no more death and no more separation. All those things are gone. That day's coming. A better day, a brighter day is coming. But until that day, we have a story to tell. We have a mission to fulfill. It's been a little over 2,000 years since that special night. People are still telling that story. Parents, grandparents, your number one priority in parenting is to make sure that your kids and grandkids hear about Jesus. They need to know that God loves them and he cares for them and he's forgiven them. They need to hear that story. You need to make sure that they hear it. One of the reasons that we're putting so much emphasis and effort into the Venture Christmas celebration is because we want to help parents and grandparents get kids to understand the true meaning of Christmas. These little kids are going to come and they're going to see a manger and they're going to see donkeys and sheep and goats and, and it's going it's it's to become a mental picture for them. And they're going to see baby Jesus in the manger. They're going to see Mary and Joseph there in costume and they're going to see the shepherds and wise men and they're going to get to smell myrrh and frankincense and all of a sudden when they hear this, anytime in the future, now they're going to know what that's all about. We're helping you to teach them so that they know the truth and what the real meaning of Christmas is. So I hope that you'll be a part of that. Invite some neighbors, maybe their kids and grandkids. Bring them with you to hear the gospel. This is the number one invest and invite opportunity we have any year. It's never easier to invite anybody to church than on this night. It will truly be an incredible night. If you're having a challenging time being joyful this year, maybe it's just not there for you. Maybe you, you want it, but you're just struggling to find anything to be joyful about. You look at everything that's going on in the world and, and maybe in your, in your world and your relationships and your family and your health and your finances and you just look at things and you're like, I'm having a hard time being joyful here. Let me ask you a few questions as I wrap things up. Is there, is there some fear that's got a grip on you? Is there some fear that's just, just hanging on to you and that you're just, you're having a hard time overcoming? 
maybe like the shepherds, um, there's something that's got you terrified and you just haven't been able to push through it. If so, then talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Talk to a counselor. You know, Adventure, we, we provide counseling through the Southwest Florida Christian Counseling. We'll, we'll pay for your first six sessions. Won't cost anything. You just have to be willing to call up, schedule an appointment, go talk to somebody. So there's somebody there who will listen and will talk to you. Any one of us pastors, you can talk to any of us. Your connect group leaders. If you're, if you're facing a fear, talk to somebody about it. Once you, once you get it out in the open, once you talk about it, you're going to find it's much easier to move beyond that fear. Are you struggling to stay focused on the positives in your life? Maybe you've just become negative and pessimistic and cynical. And maybe you don't want to be, but it's just the way that you've just become. Can I just say that that's not the way you're supposed to live? And there's no fun in that. And you need to work through those things. First thing I would encourage you to do is to sit down this week and make a list of everything you're thankful for. Make it a comprehensive list. Start with 100 things. Just say, I'm not going to get up from this chair until I've written down 100 things that I'm thankful for. And just begin to focus on what you do have, not what you don't have. And you may find that by the time you get through that hundred, uh, you've got another hundred in mind and you can just keep on going. As you begin to focus on what you have instead of what you don't have, you may find that joy starts to bubble up in your life. Maybe you're struggling with joy this morning because there's, no, there's something you know you're supposed to do and you just have not been obedient. Instead of saying, let's go, you said, no way. And you're struggling. Here's my challenge to you. Say yes to God. Say yes to whatever it is he's calling you or leading you or challenging you to do. Just say yes and trust and obey. Be obedient like the shepherds. Maybe there's someone that you know you should be sharing the gospel with, but you just haven't had the courage to do it. Can I just tell you, you will be so thrilled when you finally muster up the courage to tell that lost relative, that lost friend about Jesus. It's not your job to save them, it's your job to point them to a savior, right? And uh, just, just open the conversation and ask, ask God to give you the words to say and tell them about Jesus. Just, you say, well, I don't know all the right answers. Just tell them your story. Tell them what God has done in your life. Maybe God is challenging you in the area of generosity and he wants you to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I have no idea what area that may be in, but there may be some area where God's been leading you to, to do something and you haven't done it. Maybe you'll, maybe, maybe you'll find that that's what God's waiting for, is for you to say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to give, I'm going to do it. Whatever it is. Listen, we're called to live joyful lives. God wants us to live a joyful life. We should, we're Christians. We should be the happiest people on the planet. Amen? I mean, we have a hope for the future. We know this life is not all there is. It's Better days are coming. We've got hope. We've got purpose. We've got salvation. We've been redeemed. We have a story to tell. Let's tell it. Let's, let's leave here and let's be the most joyful people. Let's, when we leave a restaurant, let's let the servers say, 
those people were awesome. They were so kind. They weren't snippy. They weren't stingy. They weren't grumpy. They weren't, you know, they weren't like that. They were just nice people. They were just nice people. Quit blowing your horn, you know? Just be nice. Let's spread some Christmas cheer. Let's sing loud for all the year, all right? You know, we can make a difference, all right? Let's answer these phones, you know? Let's, uh, we can do this. Let's tell them, hello there. <laughs> Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come and we can spread the joy that is around Christmas. God, it's amazing. It's just amazing that you loved us so much that you were willing to send Jesus to this earth for us, to redeem us, so that we can be reconciled with you. God, we have every reason in the world to be joyful this morning. So God, help us to focus on the good. Help us to not walk in fear. Help us not to disobey. But God, help us to just trust you. Help us to walk in faith every step of the way and bring glory to you in all we do. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's stand as we sing our final song this morning.